Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast, where today we're going to be talking about different rates of return using a ratio that we actually came up with on the show a while back. But before we do that, I would like to introduce my co-pilot, a man known as my buddy Nick89. <laughs> it's actually just my buddy Nick, but I had to add the 89 in there on Twitter because apparently there's some other guy out there who thinks he's my buddy Nick, which I, I find personally insulting. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> on that note, actually, I think they're freeing up a bunch of Twitter names, so hopefully we can have uniform titles across platforms. That would be lovely. But enough with the small chat today, Dan, because we have got a serious episode today. You're right. We're going to be talking about RTP ratios across the country. And this is a report that you exhaustively worked on with our friends, Daryl and Vijesh. So why don't you tell us a bit about what the report is, and then we'll just dive headfirst in. Yeah, so we did this report because I felt that, you know, you look at like when we recovered these on the show, you look at a Collier's cap rate report as an example or CBRE's cap rate reports, and they give thorough market to market analysis where you can compare assets in different markets to get an idea for where you might want to put your capital. But we don't have something like that for residential, especially small cap residential property. And and it's not that hard to come up with something as long as that something is uniform, right? Where you're using the same ratio across a bunch of different cities. And so what we did was we looked at a bunch of different cap rates sit on a city to city basis. So we used landlord to crush like hundreds of deals and came up with cap rates and basically put in the report, there's like a low end of the cap rate and then a high end of the cap rate. So like there are floating bars. And then in the middle, there's an RTP ratio, which is a rent to price ratio. The rent to price ratio, we basically just used... Korea HPI and then rent data from Rent Panda's report as well as rentals.ca report. And we came up with these rent to price ratios and they're probably going to vary on a city by city basis as the market kind of shifts around, rents go up, prices come down. But as it looks from top to bottom, here's what we came up with. And this is basically a list of the so the it's the rent, the market rent divided by the market price, the Korea HPI or house price index in each city across Canada and I've sorted them by highest, so the highest you know, let's say expected cap rate or implied cap rate. So the highest to the lowest. So number one is St. John's at 7%, Edmonton at 6.6%, Saskatoon at 6.2%, Calgary at 6.1%, PEI, the entire province at 6%, Winnipeg at 5.9%, Gatineau at, at 5.6%, Fredericton at 5.5%, Regina at 5.2%, Ottawa at 5.1%. Do you want to take the second half of this list, Nick? Montreal, 4.7. Kitchener-Waterloo, 4.5. Laval, again, 4.5. Vancouver, 4.5. Halifax, 4.4%. Victoria, 4.3%. Moncton, 4.2%. Kingston, 4.2%. The GTA as a whole lands at 4%. London, Ontario, 3.8%. And Quebec City at 3.5%. Yeah, I was a little surprised by Quebec City, to be honest, but I think yeah, that, same. Like, this is going to be kind of bouncy data on a monthly basis because the sample sizes are so small. So one of the things that we did mention, and before I'll, I'll let you just jump into the report, is I think this is probably going to end up being a quarterly report, but we will likely release like an infographic 
on a monthly basis and it'll be shareable, maybe even white labelable for like real estate professionals and stuff like that. So something that we're going to be doing for the podcast with some of our partners who have provided yeah. us, been kind enough to provide us data. Let's just get right to it, Nick, because this, like you said, this is going to be a long one. So. So we've combined data from reputable sources, including home prices, rental rates, economic forecast, and demographic changes to create a comprehensive overview of everything investors need to know about the state of this market across the country. So the objective of the report is to create a reliable source of comparison for different returns across different geographies in Canada. And the goal is to deliver institutional investment analysis, institutional quality investment analysis to regular Joes like us. Cap rates have compressed in a lot of Canada's major markets, such as the GTA, the Lower Mainland, Montreal, making it difficult for entry-level investors to find those compelling deals in those areas. This has pushed a lot of the entry-level capital to seek investment in smaller cities in Canada, those secondary and tertiary markets that we talk about, but have typically been undeserved by Canadian analysts in the real estate space. So we hope that this report changes that in the coming years. Now, Dan, let's go through some highlights of the report, and then we'll start to look at some of the key themes, and then we're going to take a cross-country journey together and stop on every one of those cities that we started off with. Yeah, so quickly, prices are declining. It's pretty clear that that's happening. This is true across all cities, product types, and price brackets. Higher interest rates have clearly had an impact. There's also little indication that these trends are about to change anytime soon. The Bank of Canada has kept rising interest rates and we have no indication that they're coming down anytime soon. And so inventory is gradually building in key markets across the country. Yeah. I mean, the market is far from attractive for most right now. Only four cities have an average rental rates higher than average mortgage rates, which obviously isn't good. In most major cities, the rental rate is surging, but it's still far behind the carrying cost of a typical mortgage. Prices have adjusted lower, but are still arguably overhauled in major cities and not cheap enough in small towns. And I think, you know, the same thing is true on cap rate. I think as a rule in a market like, well, in any market, your cap rate on a property needs to be higher than your mortgage rate on a property. And that typically makes it a viable investment. The higher you can get that cap rate above your mortgage rate, the better the investment's going to be. And in a lot of cases, we're st still not seeing cap rates going where they need to be to make these viable. Canada's largest cities, Toronto and Vancouver, featured prominently on the latest UBS real estate bubble index. In fact, Toronto topped the list. Meanwhile, Canada topped the list of most vulnerable housing markets, according to an analysis by the Economist Intelligence Unit, which we've mentioned on the show as well. Actually, I think we, we had a, a big segment planned for that, but, but we lost it somewhere. So we'll toss that in somewhere else. And just back to the UBS bubble index, we did a full episode on that. It was... I think it was titled the biggest real estate bubble in the world said like that. They got to say it like that for the, for the effect. <laughs> so simply put nearly every expert and institutional research firm believes Canada's housing market is vulnerable, overpriced and due for a strong correction. So from an investor's perspective, that could mean that there's a lot of opportunities that lay ahead. So let's look at some key facts. And these are taken from the 21 cities and towns that we're going to analyze and have a little pit stop through in each one. Dan, start us off with the first major theme that you saw. Will do. And if you want to listen to the bubble index, it's episode 30. Number one here is inventory isn't rising fast enough. In most markets, sales have dropped considerably as listing rise. However, inventory is tight, which is keeping prices sticky on the way down. Give me number two here, Nick. Rental yields are unattractive. 
Rents are rising rapidly. In major cities, rents have skyrocketed, yet the rental yield is unattractive compared to interest rates on savings accounts and dividend yields on blue chip stocks. Leverage could push the actual yield higher, but the effect is offset by the higher interest rates. So leverage being one of the primary advantages of real estate is getting dwindled because the cost of getting leverage, the interest rate is increasing right now. And so we're in a market that's really trying to price discover, figure out how to make investments viable. Alberta is the most attractive destination. Alberta has emerged. You know, we mentioned this on the show a couple of We've times. We've got a little been, crush on Alberta, I guess. <laughs> but you know, the data is just pointing to it right now. I mean, I think that there are markets actually that are better investments from my perspective, like you know, from a yield perspective and from a future growth perspective. But they're just not as sought after. We don't hear as much. You know, people aren't sending us DMs and, and emails about it every day. So yeah. let's. I guess, you know, we have a pretty good base of understanding here. Let's just start this national tour and stop at every major city along the way, Nick. Okay. Our first stop is Calgary. So the top end of Calgary's housing market has seen demand dissipate driven by the same factors as other markets, i.e. interest rates. However, lower end and mid-priced homes have retained their value as demand for affordable housing flows in from other provinces. Condos are particularly popular. Sales were 95% higher than the four-year average this past month. I believe that month is referring to October of this year. Migration and population growth is the headline story in Calgary. Stats can says Alberta experienced positive net migration of almost 10,000 in the second quarter of 2022. That's the fastest pace of inward interprovincial migration since 2014. I'd say it's safe to assume that the majority of these new migrants have settled in the second largest vibrant city in the province. We also have analysts at Deloitte saying that Alberta could possibly avoid the recession in Canada. High energy prices coupled with a robust real estate sector are expected to keep the province afloat. Calgary's job growth has also been exceptional. The city added new construction jobs in August even as the industry faces downturn nationwide. Even white-collar jobs are rebounding with consulting giants Infosys recently announcing 8,000 new roles in the city. So finally, your approximate ROI is about 6.1% in Calgary. Dan, take us to the next city. I'm going to go a little bit north for a couple hours to Alberta's second largest city, Edmonton. Young professionals have returned to the city, but they're more likely to rent in the downtown core than, rather than purchase a condo. So you are seeing a skew to youth in the rental market. And then eventually, I think, you know, you lose your rental pool to ownership. A lot of them step up into, into the ownership market. Inventory for condos is still relatively high. For younger home buyers, they could find a single family home in the city's suburbs for one of the most affordable places on a price to income basis in, in the country. This has pushed rental rates higher. Despite the recent surge, Edmonton is one of the most affordable cities to rent in the country. The only two other cities had lower rents in Regina and St. John's. Cap rates for multifamily units range from 4.5% to 5% in Q2 of 2022. That's mildly higher than the national average of 4.25%. And approximate ROI based on a rent-to-price ratio for a smaller multifamily, like a, a duplex rather than... When we say cap rates for multifamily, we're talking commercial-grade stuff, so great, more than six units. The ROI for a smaller cap product would be about 6.7% based on the, the rent-to-price ratio. Love it. Now let's hop on a quick flight and head east to the beautiful province of Quebec with our first stop being one of my favorite cities in the country, Montreal. I guess if we're flying around, we, we should probably be taking an Air Canada flight. That, that, that seems fitting. You're trying to pitch for a sponsorship right now? I was just going to say, but if anyone on Air Canada is listening, we're planning on doing a lot of flying, so maybe hook us up. 
The greater Montreal area posted a quarterly decline in its aggregate home prices in the first time in more than five years. This follows the same trend seen in both Vancouver and Toronto. Sales have declined 30%, while listings have surged 44%. Inventory is flooding into the market, which could push prices lower in the months ahead. The average apartment now costs $380,000, while rents range from $1,532 all the way up to just under $2,000, indicating a gross rental yield of about 5 to 6% on average, bringing your approximate overall ROI in that blended situation that we've been talking about to about a 4.7% in Montreal. Okay, next on our list, just a short car ride away is the neighboring city of Laval. Home prices have surged in Laval. You know, you're seeing a bit of an urban exodus effect. The average home is 15 to 16% more expensive than it was last year, depending on the type of unit. Rents are up too. The average one and two bedroom apartment rents for 5.1% and 5.3% more than last year. This surge in rentals is closing the gap between Laval and Montreal. The difference in average rent for a two bed in, in these two cities is just 6.8%. While the gap between rents is narrow, the price gap is relatively more broad. Analysis by Point Two Homes found that buying a home in Montreal was more than three times more expensive than Laval on a per square foot basis. The average condo in Laval sold for $360,000 in Q4 of this year, while the average rent was $1,362 to $1,834 per month. This implies a gross rental yield of roughly 6% for the average property. And your approximate ROI would be something like 4.5% based on a rent-to-price ratio, so a broad rent-to-price ratio. And a lot of that could be selection bias and more suburbanized house product skewing the price up in Laval by comparison to Montreal. Yeah, I did find this piece of information kind of shocking that Buying a home in Montreal was three times more expensive than Laval on a per, per square foot basis. Because if you look on a map, it's almost hard to see where those city lines stop between Montreal and Laval. So just interesting piece of information there. The next stop in the province of Quebec is Gatineau. Gatineau's relative affordability housing to neighboring Ottawa expanded over the past year. Rents have increased at a much slower pace here. The average two-bedroom apartment rents for just 1.9% more than it did last year. Home prices are rising faster in Gatineau as the city's experienced biggest migration from Ottawa in 30 years. The stark difference is in home prices and rents have convinced many residents to cross the river. Experts such as the CMHC economist Lucas Jasmine Tucci believes that the migration could narrow the price gap between the two cities in the coming years. This puts your current approximate ROI in Gatineau at about 5.6%. And if you are looking for exposure to the Ottawa market, you know, given that analysis by CMHC economists, if that guess is correct, or if that analysis is correct, then you know, there might be a trade there to you know, invest if you want exposure to the Ottawa-Gatineau region, more in the Gatineau side where you're getting affordable, more affordable product, but as the price gets pulled up by that sort of regional effect. And you see that happen in the GTA, for sure. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that's <laughs> it's interesting about Gatineau is that, I mean, my friends in Ottawa drive across the border to buy cheap beer. So <laughs> there's that. I mean, even when it was in university, people would go across there to party as well. (laughs) One more stop in Quebec and then we're on to our next province, but we couldn't leave without looking at a very special city, one of my favorite cities in Canada and one of the oldest cities in the country with a little taste of Europe, Quebec City. 
Quebec City is one of the few cities in Canada experiencing a downward trend in rental prices. Median rent for... And, and a lot of that is, look, you have a market that is incredibly dependent on the hospitality sector. And the hospitality sector hasn't been doing so well in the past couple of years. Not in the past couple of years, no. So rents are still significantly higher than last year, but they dropped on a month-over-month basis. The average two-bedroom rents for 32% more than it did in 2021. But despite this large jump over the previous years, Quebec is still one of the most affordable cities to rent in. And I believe it was actually rated one of the top cities for millennials to to live in. It is the 20th most expensive rental market in Canada, putting it slightly ahead of Edmonton, Alberta. Properties across the city are selling faster than last year. So, you know, we're seeing quicker absorption. The days on market were reduced by 19 for single family homes, 35 for condos and 15 for multiplex units. However, all property types are still sitting on the market for an average of 58 days on market. Wow. So two, you have a two-month sales cycle there. Yeah. And your approximate ROI based on the rent-to-price ratio is about 3.7% in Quebec City. Okay, now let's head back west to the prairies, back on our Air Canada flight here, where our first stop is Saskatoon. So Saskatchewan experienced its biggest population jump in 51 years during the second quarter of 2022. That is wild. The total population is now approaching 1.2 million and it's expected to hit 1.4 million by 2030. Almost all of this population is driven by international migration as borders reopen and people displaced by certain things like the crisis in Ukraine find community in that province. Investors and buyers are coming to the city of Saskatoon seeking a bargain. Unfortunately, there isn't enough inventory to satisfy demand. Total inventory is 33% below average. Wow. 77% of this inventory is priced below the $500,000 mark, which is the price range where sales have declined 11% year over year. Rents, however, have surged. The average two-bedroom apartment rents for 14.7% more than it did last year. One-bedroom rentals are up 8.8% over the same period. Despite this, Saskatoon is by far the cheapest place to rent in Canada. The average one-bedroom can be leased for just $980 a month. Whew, might have to go and get a little place there because that's less than half of what it is in the GTA. I think that's a half a bedroom rate in Toronto. Have you seen all those Kijiji posts oh, of like man. people renting half a bedroom with like a curtain between them? Just sad. I mean, you could you could do that, or you could move to Saskatoon and and have your own luxury luxurious one bedroom. Anyway, that puts your approximate ROI for Saskatoon at six point three percent. I like both of these markets in Saskatchewan. Not gonna lie, I I'm pretty bullish on this province. So let's take a quick three hour drive to Regina. New listings are above the 10-year average in the city. However, sales have also picked up and reached a record high on a year-to-date basis. This dynamic has kept inventory low and below last year's level. Months of supply in Regina actually declined in August 2022. Rents are essentially flat from last year and mildly lower on a month-over-month basis. The typical one-bedroom apartment rents for just just over 1000 bucks a month as of September 2022. That's only 3.2% higher than last year. In fact, it is the second most affordable place to rent in Canada. So your approximate ROI is about just over 5%, 5.2% in Regina based on a rent to price ratio. So the two cheapest places to rent are three hours away from each other in the same province. There you go. We're noticing a bit of a theme. Okay, now let's head west into neighboring Manitoba for a quick stop in Winnipeg. 
Winnipeg is one of the few cities in Canada experiencing a downward trend in rental prices. Median rent went for a one-bedroom apartment dropped 3.6% month over month, making Winnipeg more affordable than other major metropolitan cities in Canada. Inventory is flooding is in as listings surged 28% year over year this past month. Months of inventory now stand at 2.2. This is already putting pressure on home prices. Single-family home is now selling for 27000 less than it was back in the peak in May of 2022, which puts your approximate ROI at 6% in Winnipeg. Okay, let's quickly move this tour east now and we'll jump into Atlantic Canada, starting with Moncton, New Brunswick. Moncton experienced insane price growth, you know, and there was a huge decline in sales volume during the you know the last year. On a year-over-year basis, the average single-family home and townhouse are selling for 19.3% and 28.2% more respectively than they were last year. Meanwhile, sales have dropped 34.5% over the same period. So volume is is down and this will create that that stickiness on the on the way down. Rent growth hasn't kept up with the rest of the country. The average one bed apartment rents for $950 a month, just 3% higher than last year. Housing remains unaffordable for a growing section of the city's population. Homelessness surged recently to 400 people which has inspired the government to implement a new density bonusing scheme. This is interesting, you know, in in regards to an upcoming episode that we have about, you know, doing what the government wants you to do to really capitalize as a real estate investor. The new scheme allows developers to build taller apartment buildings if they include units with rent caps, which is 30% of median income or $1,150 per month. A four-story 76-unit building in an area where only three floors would be allowed has already been approved under this new scheme. Very cool. Yeah. So, you know, from a investment expectations perspective, the approximate ROI is 4.3% in Moncton. Okay. Now let's take a quick look at neighboring Fredericton, the capital of New Brunswick. The average home in Fredericton is now up 11.4% year over year, but this headline figure masks the diversion in underlying products. Condos saw a much bigger jump, up 27.7% year over year than single family homes, which only experienced a jump of 17.6% during the same period. So a full 10% gap delta between those two, and that's between condos and single families. Short-term rentals have become increasingly popular in the city as well. There are 174 Airbnb listings in Fredericton and only two long-term listings on rental.ca. Wow. So it looks like you're only staying for a short time, whether you like it or not. In September, the average Airbnb listing was about $145 per night, while the long-term rentals were between $1,500 and $2,000 for one and two bedroom condos, respectively. Those rents sound a lot like GTA, GVA type rent prices. The market is so skewed that the city staff is actively studying new regulations and restrictions on short-term rentals within the city. Well, activists have called for rent caps. Now we've seen this in other, you know, something that I'm very familiar with, Prince Edward County in Ontario, which is a beautiful place, kind of wine country, a lot of boutique hotels. The whole area is flooded with Airbnbs. They actually went and put a stop to it. Legislation got involved, local government and said, you're not now no one's allowed to have Airbnbs. Now you even have to go and apply for a license just to get a medium term rental 30 days and above. Yeah, my hometown's like that as well. And I think you're seeing, I mean, innovation 
is typically followed by policy response. Like you start to see innovate policy response. It's the same as what happened with Uber, right? It was like Uber came out, it existed, and then they started trying to shut it down. Some cities banned it, taxi industry lobbies, et cetera. And so, you know, Airbnb is sort of in that discovery phase of, you know, these vacation rentals or short-term rentals are, are beginning to be regulated by municipalities and becoming less viable as side hustles. I won't even call them investments because I really don't think they are. I think they're a job. It's a side hustle if you're starting an Airbnb. But they, you know, I mean, I'm from a municipality north of Toronto on, on a beautiful lake on Lake Simcoe, a little town called Keswick, home of the Keswick Dinner Jacket. We invented it. <laughs> That's what a, one of those plaid, you know, the plaid jackets plaid-like from, kind from, of jacket, with the hood yeah. from oh, Giant yeah. Tiger. Yeah. Of course. That's called the Keswick Dinner Jacket, at least in most of Ontario. Anyway, you know, they had the same thing. We we're getting a lot of these like big party, they called them party palaces. It was all over the news and locals weren't having it. And you're starting to see this pushback. I think hospitality should be done by the hotel industry. I honestly do for the most part. And I think there's an investment thesis to be found from the Airbnb perspective, but it does cause challenges on a municipal basis. And, yeah, and- for sure. Before you take us to our next location, Dan, I just wanted to mention the approximate ROI in the Fredericton area lands at 5.6%. Now, let's get back in the pilot seats and fly off to the next location here. For sure. The iconic East Coast city, we should probably take a boat actually, of Halifax <laughs> yeah. in Nova Scotia. Sales have been weak across Nova Scotia in the last few months and the number of units sold in Halifax, Dartmouth declined 34.5% from last September. Average home prices in Halifax seem to have missed the nationwide bubble. The average home is currently listed for 500000 at least 10% off of its peak from earlier this year and only 6% higher than last year. Rental growth is stronger, but still below the national average. The average one-bed and two-bed apartments rent 8.7% and 6.3% more than last year, respectively. That's significantly lower than the 15.4% average rent increase across Canada this month. And your approximate ROI... As a result of all of these factors in Halifax would be 4.5% on a rent-to-price ratio basis. Okay, great. The next stop on our national journey here is the capital of Newfoundland and Labrador, St. John's. With the average one-bedroom apartment listed for just $840 a month, St. John's is the most affordable city to rent in in the country. Even a two-bedroom condo is cheaper than a one-bedroom in the second most affordable city, Regina. Wow. St. John's rents have been stagnant. The rent for a typical one-bedroom apartment dropped 1.2% month over month and was only 2.4% higher than last year. Nearly every major city saw bigger jumps in rent during this period. Sales activity in the city is also declining at a faster rate, 27.6% than the rest of the province, which is at about 20%. Despite this, prices have been rising faster than other cities. The typical single-family home now sells for $336,000 on average, 7.5% higher than last year. Meanwhile, apartment prices have jumped 16.1%. Your approximate ROI in St. John's is 7.9%. It is interesting. I think this one's tough because apparently... and. You know, I, I talk to a, an agent out there a lot on on social media, we, on the coast to coast Twitter spaces, but also um, potentially going to be one of our event partners when we do an event out in, in St. John's. A guy named Nevin Hollett, I'm pretty involved in the development space out there, but uh, he mentioned that like you know their rental housing stock is very much because we we're talking about potentially building a purpose built rental building that we were actually going to you know sell units 
you know, potential condo units, I guess they would be condominiumized to, you know, as a product that we would bring forward to our listeners, ideally at like a six or 7% cap rate and build like a, you know, three-story building out there and see if we could rent them out. Very cool. But, you know, but the challenge is that with the rental housing stock and this could skew those rents down is apparently it's a lot of basement apartments, a lot of like, you know, so so they don't have much multiplex product. They don't have much apartment product. They don't have much larger multifamily. So I found that to be kind of interesting and potentially responsible for a bit of a skew there. Last stop on the East Coast tour here, Prince Edward Island, one of my favorite places in the country, just absolutely beautiful, super picturesque province. And it has seen the biggest leap in both price and rents over the last year. Sharp rebound in tourism and seasonal migrant labor in the farming sector has escalated the need for housing. However, supply remains exceptionally tight. As a result, average rent is up 45% year over year and the average home price is up 15.1% year over year in Q4. However, there are some signs of deceleration. Only 139 housing units sold in September of 2022, which was down 31% from the year before. This nosedive in sales activity added inventory to the market. Uh, months of inventory now stands at 6.9, higher than the national average and a striking distance above the 10-year average from PEI. Surging inventory and falling sales have convinced some experts that home prices on the island are beyond their peak. In fact, Desjardins expects an a- the average home price to lose lo- roughly 25% of its value by the end of 2023. Wow. Yep. The approximate ROI is a result of sort of this big difference in home values accelerating so much. And you'll see ROI in these in these areas because we're using home prices as your sort of price metric. Markets that are very single family driven are going to skew down. We're working on trying to fix a methodology to make this more accurate. But this is a report that we're going to iterate on a monthly basis. So hopefully it'll get better and provide more value as time goes on. But the approximate ROI is, is just around 4% in PEI. Okay, so that concludes the East Coast. Now let's take a flight all the way over to the most western city in the country, Victoria, another absolutely beautiful, picturesque, unique place. Homebuyer confidence continues to decline in Victoria and across British Columbia as the ratio of people expecting worse job prospects and deteriorating budgets in the near term has increased. Less than 40% of respondents to a CREA survey said now was not a good time to make a major purchase. That includes homes, obviously. Victoria has rapidly moved from a seller's market to a balanced market, indicated by the sharp drop in sales to listing ratio from 94% last year to 28.14% this year. A joint venture between Minto Apartments, Real Estate Investment Trust, and Graystar Real Estate Partners to redevelop the University Heights shopping mall into a mixed-use multifamily retail property highlights the fact that institutional capital continues to flow into Victoria real estate. Again, you start to see this right now. There's there's a bit of turmoil in the market. People start to get creative. So I'd love to see Minto and Graystar doing cool things out there. Victoria, your average ROI comes in at just over 4% at 4.4%. Now over to Vancouver, otherwise known as the Lower Mainland, otherwise known as the Greater Vancouver Area or GVA, <laughs> which I've been banned from saying on TikTok. I had to Vancouver, put those both in there for you. <laughs> Vancouver remains the most expensive city for renters. And this actually skews the ratio up. The typical renter dedicates just over half of their paycheck to rent. So well above that, what is considered affordable for housing in Canada, the target of 30% of your household income. Homes are sitting on the market for significantly longer. Days on market 
ticked up 35% over the past month. So the absorption cycle is much slower. Homeowners continue to be reluctant about selling into this market. New listings in the month of September were at a 20-year low. This phenomena has tightened inventory levels. The number of detached homes under 2 million listed for sale are now below pre-pandemic levels and at least 75% lower than their peak in 2008. And your approximate ROI as a result of all of these factors in Vancouver is 4.5% on a rent-to-price ratio basis. Another interesting little piece about Vancouver is they have the most landlords in in the country, or at least that one article that we found. No, it is interesting because CMHC just released something. I got to find it because... So maybe I'll, I'll mention it after the next piece, but because the one of their economists who covers the Vancouver market reached out to me on TikTok and they put out this, this really, really cool data set. I've posted it on Twitter, so you can find it on my Twitter account, but it's like they track the number of houses that have two kitchens, so which is a good indica- indicator of... Apartments being added to houses. Or Nona's that need two kitchens to make ample pasta sauce. It's a, it's yeah. a thing. <laughs> yeah. So you have this two kitchen factor. And so it's not so much, I had always thought it was people who were owning a second house, which didn't make sense to me in Vancouver, but a lot of it is actually house hacking as a result of the affordability. So people who are owning a place and then renting out maybe an uh, accessory dwelling unit. So you're seeing a lot of accessory dwelling units being added in the Vancouver market, which is interesting because policy is really geared towards doing that and affordability is pushing people to do it. And I think we'll see the same thing happen in Ontario as a result of affordability and policy. And let's use that to segue to good old Ontario. Yeah. To finish off our journey, we're hopping back on that Air Canada flight all the way from YVR to Toronto Pearson Airport. We land and then we get right on the 401 and we drive all the way up to Ottawa. You can fly to Ottawa. Yeah, yeah I know. I should have just said that. I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't remember the, the acronym for the Ottawa airport. But you know what? We're going to pay Ottawa the respect it deserves as the capital of Canada. And that's where we're going to start our final province of Ontario. So the average price for a home in the capital is just over 700000 just 5% higher than last year. Home prices are plunging rapidly and are at least 6% off the peak of earlier this year in February. In contrast, rental rates are surging across the city. The average one-bedroom and two-bedroom apartment rents for 17.7 and 21.2% more than they did last year, respectively. Rents are also rising on a month-over-month basis. In September of this year, the average one-bedroom and two-bedroom apartment cost 4.9 and 10.7% more. Considering that the average condominium sells for 421000 in September of 2022 and rents for between 1900 and just under 2500 the gross rental yield could be approximately 53 to 6%, with an overall blended ROI across asset classes of about 5.1% in Ottawa. Okay, just a quick rip away is beautiful city of Kingston. Rents are rapidly rising in Kingston, Ontario. A one-bedroom apartment now rents for 25% more than last year. Last year, Core Development Group made national headlines when it unveiled a plan to buy single-family rental properties in Kingston and Peterborough and across the country, targeting over $1 billion in sales. I actually know a guy who sold a portfolio to them. I found out recently. Nice. Yeah, this month... The company has listed several of its properties for sale, indicating that the single-family residential trend has started 
that started in the US won't be coming to Canada anytime soon. The ones that, that were succeeding for core, by the way, and we, we should actually maybe do an entire episode on this core strategy, but were the multiplex stuff. So they're single family. They were kind of blowing off basically anything that wasn't profitable. Core isn't the only owner rushing to sell. Listings were up an astonishing 82.4% year over year in September. Meanwhile, sales declined 21.2% over the same period. So huge reduction in demand and huge increase in supply. This dynamic is creating a flood of inventory in the market. Months of inventory is at 3.2, just 40% away from Kingston's long-term average inventory level of 4.5%. So the market is normalizing quite a bit. And your approximate return on investment is 4.2% in Kingston based on the rent to price ratio. The next stop on the journey is KW, Kitchener-Waterloo. And Cambridge. Don't forget about Cambridge. And Cambridge, of course. Tri-city area. Cambridge is actually a beautiful city. It really is. Like the historic buildings and all that. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Langdon Hall. My brother, literally, my brother's a chef. He's applying to Langdon Hall. I, I'm literally looking over his resume this afternoon. He's applying to Langdon Hall. So we might be we might be spending a bit more time in Cambridge, amigo. That's where we should host our Cambridge event, actually. I ate there. The restaurant's exceptional. I stayed there too. They got uh, set off the fire alarm because they give you a fireplace in your room and uh, I'm not responsible. <laughs> Rents for one and two bedroom apartments were up 11.2 and 16.2% respectively year over year. That makes the region the 16th most expensive place to rent in the country. The rental increase is primarily driven by the return of university students and international immigration this year. The building boom seems to have peaked in 2020 with development projects collectively worth over $1.48 billion approved that year. This year, several projects, however, have been halted And the flow of new units to the market has been slowed down to a trickle. However, listings have surged while sales activity in the region is 11% below its five-year average. The sudden surge in inventory has pushed the average home prices down from $1 million in January 2020 to roughly $750,000 in August 2020. Yikes! Where'd that $250,000 go? Thin air, baby. (laughs) Rapidly declining prices, rising rents, and a sharp rebound in immigration have made the Kitchener-Waterloo-Cambridge region noticeably more attractive for investors. I'm just going to say again, because I know that was a big hotspot for investors years ago. It kind of got lost in in the mix when prices were doing their thing. But now it's good to see that whole area kind of settle down a little bit because I love that area. Dan, both you and I are Guelph graduates, which is a hop, skip, and a jump away from the Tri-Cities. And I think they were really a recipient of policy when the non-resident speculation tax originally targeted Ontario. 2017, you saw a lot of the cities that we're mentioning here, Kingston, London, Kitchener-Waterloo, Cambridge, really, really ramp up when foreign investment was banned in the Greater Golden Horseshoe. A lot of that capital got pushed to these markets. Anyway. Yeah, we also see, you know, Silicon Valley North and, and all that good stuff. Ton of tech comes out of there. It's, it's a good I think we are exporting that. a lot of tech talent, though. It all gets trained in Kitchener Waterloo and then they kind of do their internship and then they go to Silicon Valley because uh, yeah. our, our tech York wages or, just suck in this country. Yeah, We're not competitive. Okay, so let's just finish off this area quickly with the ROI at 4.5%. Now, where are we off to next, Dan? Keep driving along the 401 all the way to London, not England. <laughs> the second best money laundering market in the world of that's named London. <laughs> London's all the biggest jump in rents in Canada. One and two bed apartments are 36.9% and 30% higher than last year. In fact, some parts of London are now experiencing 
more expensive to rent in than parts of the greater Toronto area. Tenants are offering 12-month advances, 50% higher bids, etc. This is where you're seeing... I mean, if you're thinking about tenants who have 12 months, that's somebody who's leaving the purchase market and going to rent, right? They have, they're using their down payment that they have saved up otherwise, right? I've seen people bidding up, paying over asking, bidding wars, etc. 10% annual growth in population which is crazy, the fourth fastest growing metropolitan region in the country. Meanwhile, a steady rise in supply and a sharp drop in sales volume has made the city more affordable. The benchmark price declined 10% last month to just 686000 Average prices are also 17% off their peak from February of this year, March of this year. The approximate ROI still a little bit lower than I'd like to see it at 3.8% in London. But I do think that you know it's a market that looks like it's going through some some correction and potentially some opportunity in the foreseeable future there. Yeah. I mean, that 10% annual growth is is staggering. That's the fourth fastest growing metropolitan region in the country. Love to see that. London's been a huge investment market for many over the past decade, decades, I should say. But we have come to the final stop on the tour. Guess where? The center of the world, of course. Just kidding. <laughs> the last stop on the tour here is Toronto and the GTA. So Toronto topped the UBS bubble index, which we've already talked about, indicating that the city faces the greatest risk of home price declines in the months ahead. This is the second time the city has topped the index since 2017. That is a prize you don't want to win. <laughs> home prices across the GTA have already softened this year. The average home is selling now for just about a million and eighty thousand in August, nineteen point one percent lower than the peak in February. So we've already seen almost a twenty percent drop in just about a half year. On the other hand, rents have been surging, an influx of new immigrants, coupled with potential home buyers renting due to the lack of affordable housing and a return to urban living, has pushed GTA rents up twenty seven point five percent year over year. Just crazy and a little disheartening. Rental vacancy rates declined 1.4% from 5.1% last year. It could drop even below the 1% mark in the months ahead, which was more typical in the pre-pandemic years. The price of an average condo has slipped a little bit to just under $650,000 based on current rents. Toronto's rent yield could be as high as 5.6%. If rents and prices continue their current trajectories, the gross rent yield for Toronto rentals could be higher by early 2023, but currently your approximate ROI in Toronto is around 4%. Love to see it. Now, that takes us to the end of our national tour. We'd like to thank Air Canada for allowing Dan and I to fly this plane and stop in 21 of the best places on earth. We do have a conclusion for this episode, but we're already running a little long on time and Dan and other team members put a ton of work into this. So the point of this report is to get it out, get it in your hands. We did a quick skim over everything with the reports like 30 pages long, tons of great information, great graphics, charts that we couldn't talk about because it's hard to talk about charts on a podcast. So if you guys want to see more about this or if you want to have it, reach out to us and we will send you the actual report all you have to do is send an email to the show, wish us a Merry Christmas, and we will send you this report as our little present. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Take care. The Canadian Real Estate Ambassador is for entertainment purposes only and not financial or investment advice. Always do your own due diligence. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center, license number 10317, and a partner in G&H Mortgage Group. Agent license is M21004037.
Daniel Foch is a real estate broker at Royal LePage or Community Realty, a member of Royal LePage Commercial, and a licensee with the Canadian Real Estate Association, Ontario Real Estate Association, and a member of the Toronto Real Estate Board.